Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. I'm here with another one of my students, Vlad, today, and we're going to talk about storytelling in public speaking. So, Vlad, how are you doing? I'm uh, great, Rob. Uh, thanks again for having me here. Uh, so, last episode, uh, we talked about self-disclosure with small, uh, within small groups, and we touched on the importance of storytelling in the end. Um, and if anyone wants to check it out, that's uh, episode 31. Um, so for this episode, I kind of want to dig deeper into the concept of storytelling. Um, so today I'll be talking about stories and nested stories within public speaking. Um, so like I mentioned before, you can apply the concept of storytelling, not to just public speaking, but any type of communication. Uh, the same, same way we've applied it to small group communication. Um, so over the last couple of years in the university, I've really discovered the power of storytelling. Um, and the ability to tell a good story uh, can actually make you stand out in a job interview or uh, deliver an engaging presentation um, and really connect with the audience on a different level. Um, and I would say that this is one of the best ways to make uh, an effect on a person. Uh, so some of us have heard of Aristotle, uh, who was an ancient Greek philosopher, and one of his appeals that he talks about uh, was pathos, uh, which is essentially means emotion. And he explains how this is an important concept in storytelling and specifically in public speaking. Uh, so if you tell a story that is uh, simply a list of facts, it won't be a very effective story. Uh, I wouldn't even call it a story at all, actually. And if you're a student, you probably have also sat through uh, these really boring presentations that straight up just talk about facts. Um, actually, in one of my classes, uh, the students have received a rubric with all the necessary points that they have to talk about. Um, but uh, it, it was simply just listing of all facts. And there was no flow to the story. And they just checked off every single point off that rubric uh, just to get those marks. Um, this is great, but there was no flow at all, and everyone was bored. Um, so remember, you aren't talking to a computer or robot, you're talking to an audience that has the ability to feel. Um, and if you're present, uh, if you present your story with an aspect of emotion, it will make it much more engaging, and you will be able to connect with the audience. Um, so every term at the University of Waterloo, uh, they host a pitching competition for students with business ideas. Um, and you have five minutes to pitch your idea and hope that the judges choose you so that you have a chance to win a couple grand. Um, so a couple years ago, I was watching this uh, company pitch their idea about a device that safely diffuses minds. Um, and this is great, but I wasn't very interested on in how it works and it was, wasn't really interesting for me. Uh, until the founder of the company began telling the story about how his friends in Cambodia who have suffered and lost their lives due to active landmines. Um, but the way he explained it, it was in such great depth of detail that I could almost picture myself there in the story with him. 
Um, and out of all the pitches I've seen throughout the years, this is the one that stood out for me. And this is the one that I can still remember. And it's all because of that aspect of emotion uh, within storytelling. So I'll just say that in Persuasion, we talk about story as what's called a pull tactic instead of a push tactic. And uh, it's a pull tactic because uh, a good storyteller is um, getting closer to his or her, her audience, pulling them closer uh, through the, some sort of emotional glue uh, or emotional resonance that happens in narrating the story. So uh, when you're pulling someone closer to you, that can change how they're going to react to you. And usually it changes in a kind of powerful or effective way. And I imagine the person you're describing sort of pulling the audience into the story and that's why it kind of stuck with you. Uh, yeah, and we actually, uh, we really haven't dug into the science of this in our class, uh, but I've done some research on my own. And what I found is uh, by using emotion with this, within a story, you're able to generate like a chemical uh, a reaction in inside your brain and it produces a chemical called oxytocin um, and this chemical is used for emotional processing and used to increase bonding um, and that's there's an actual science behind it of why people actually connect with a story more than just simply um, validity claims okay um, so uh, another important concept is structure uh, we all been taught this in English class that our stories must have a beginning, middle, and end. Um, and you want to take the audience on the same emotional journey that you went through when telling the story. Um, there will be the desire to jump ahead in the story to get to the end, the best part, the challenge. But you have to make sure that you leave that to the end. The buildup to the end is what keeps the audience engaged and able to connect to the story. Um, and the reason many of us find TED Talks, for example, so interesting is because the story being told and the speaker constantly raising questions and answering them throughout the story and leaving the audience with the mystery at the end. Um, once again, this leaves the audience excited to see what happens next. And that excitement is caused because of another chemical in your brain called dopamine, uh, which causes the audience to be engaged and more connected with the story, once again. So, okay, let's talk about structure for a second, because mm -hmm. structure is the thing that I think everyone always uh, has the hardest time with, even though it seems like it's the simple. So yes, a story has a beginning, middle, and end. Someplace in the middle or toward the end, there has to be what, what's called a challenge or a choice. So there has to be a moment of uncertainty um, where you don't know what direction things are going to go. And the thing that the number one thing that students who are trying to master storytelling initially gets get wrong is that A, they either don't have a clear challenge or choice, or B, they haven't dramatized the challenge or choice. They haven't built what you were describing about is building up to it. So um, usually there should be a narrative arc that draws the audience to the moment of uncertainty or the, the kind of challenge or choice. And sometimes along the way, there can be smaller challenges and smaller choices that help build to that larger challenge or choice. Um, my kids are obsessed with Lord of the Rings, so we watched all the Lord of the Rings movies over and over again. And Frodo is constantly given a challenge or a choice. And then that one challenge or choice is reconciled. But of course, the ultimate challenge or choice is what he will do with the ring when he gets into Mount Doom at the end. Um, and the viewer has to not be certain what, will, what the outcome will be. That's what draws them in. So um, it's important to know that, yes, the, the stories engage dopamine. They engage what's called the limbic system of the brain. 
but the structure is what does the engaging. So when you have this, when you have it dramatically structured around a challenger choice, and you've drawn the audience into that challenger choice, then you're really kind of um, targeting those that emotional center of the brain. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, I also wanted to talk about uh, the last concept um, of storytelling, um, and a lot of people actually miss out on this. Um, and it's it's nested narratives. So this is the ability to change the narrative uh, being told from an I story to a we story. Um, and you may have noticed that I've provided a couple of my own examples that I myself have experienced, but I also try to, to come up with examples that we can all relate to that we have experienced uh, in the past. And uh, like Rob mentioned uh, in our class with the presidential election um, and specifically Obama's, uh, I thought it was a great example. So uh, his story during his election uh, was an I story, but he wanted us to see the American story that his life represented. Um, and uh, throughout that that his speech, he he kept on bringing in the we that so that the Americans or the that everyone could feel that everyone's into the in this story together, and it's a collective story versus just an individual story. Um, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, so the, the we talk a lot, so this is really a, a public speaking skill. Um, we talk a lot about the importance of narrative in all sorts of genres of communication, but in public speaking circumstances, uh, it can be a bit self-indulgent to just tell a story about yourself or something that happened to you. And even if it's really good, even if it has a challenger choice, even if it's structured in that way, even if it dramatically builds to the challenger choice, if it's still just about you, your audience might think, hey, what am I getting out of this? I've learned something, I've drawn closer to the speaker, yeah, but so what? Um, nesting a narrative is a way of connecting the speaker's own story to everyone else's sense of who they are and where they're coming. It's a way of implicating people that are listening into stories so that they see themselves as agents or characters similar in kind to the other people in the story. So the transition is normally signaled by a move from the I to the we, as Vlad is describing, uh, but the substance of it uh, is really producing the affective feeling in the audience that that audience member could see himself or herself as part of that same story, that they could identify with that same story. So in Obama's case, uh, during his uh, initial election, he would often tell a story about himself. You know, he's the son of a, uh, a white woman and an African man, and uh, he had to tell that story. People had to get to know who he was if they were going to vote for him. But in the, at the end of his speeches, he always pivoted from this is who I am to this is who we are. And he began to articulate his story as a kind of traditional or normal story about American life, that we are all kind of products of these heterogeneous upbringings and um, different cultures coming together and so he the idea from pivoting from the I to the we is that people would say oh yes I'm a lot like Obama and it doesn't mean that I have an African father and a white mother from Kansas it means that I have uh, a similar trajectory to my life that I am on the same path or on a similar kind of narrative arc and I've been faced with certain challenger choices similar in kind so Obama starts to articulate uh, to move from the I to the we by saying we face these kinds of challenges or these kinds of choices and how we respond to those challenges choices are really important. That move from the eye to the we gives uh, a speech in particular meaning for an audience that it wouldn't otherwise have. It gives the speech a kind of significance that can resonate strongly with an audience that just the story alone can't do. 
So, uh, any other parts of story that you want to, or you want to, uh, time no, to summarize? Just, yeah, some key takeaways. Um, so use emotion within your story to connect with the audience. Um, have a solid structure of your story to keep the audience engaged. Um, and turn the I story into a we story to make the audience really feel uh, the narrative being told. Um, and just in conclusion, a story alone is just a story. But as soon as the audience is able to connect with that story, it turns into something more. Great. Okay. Thanks, Vlad. And we'll be back uh, with another episode on public speaking also shortly. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>